The following message entitled, The Resurrection and the Life, part 25 of the series, I Am, the Book of John, was given by Mark Altrogi on May 27, 2012, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Morning, everybody. If this, if this is your first Sunday, welcome. We are so glad you're here. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Sovereign Grace Church, and we hope that, that you can, if you are able to, we hope you can stick around for our guest reception, which will be back in that room to my right at the end of the service. Come back, have some refreshments, and hang out with us a little bit if you're able to. Love to get to meet you. It was great worship this morning. It's, I, I love it. Sometimes I just stop singing and just listen to all your voices. It's just such a great uh, sensation. It's so cool. Love being a part of this church. Well, please turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And I want you to imagine something for a moment. Imagine that one of your very best friends, one of your closest friends, is a billionaire many times over. I know we all have friends like that. Well, one day, one day you send him a message, and it goes like this. Dear Bob, I've been out of work for weeks and just received a notice from the bank that if I don't make a house payment this week, they're going to foreclose. Can you please help me? A week goes by. You don't hear from Bob, and the bank forecloses on your home. You're loading your possessions into a truck, and Bob pulls up. And you run over to his car and say, Bob, where were you? If you would have only sent me a check for one month's payment, I wouldn't have lost my home. Why didn't you answer my request? And Bob says, well, I do have an answer. It's just not the one you were expecting. I didn't save your house because I've actually purchased a mansion for you. It's ten times bigger than your house. It has everything you've ever wanted and it's paid for completely. That wouldn't be bad, would it? Well, this morning we're going to look at a, a, a story, a true story from the book of John, chapter 11, in which God did not immediately answer a request because He had something better in mind for those who requested it. And sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers right away or even the way we'd like to see Him because He has something better in mind for us. So let's look at John 11, but let's pray first. Lord Jesus, thank You that You love us so much. Thank You that You love us so much that everything You do in our lives, You do out of love for us and our best interests. Help us, Lord, to see that in Your Word this morning. Speak to us from Your Word. Stir us up from Your Word. Build our faith, Lord. Let us be so much stronger after reading and hearing this Word, Lord, that we would trust You even if we don't see our prayers answered the way we, th we think they should be. And Lord, help us to see You as the One who gives resurrection life. 
and abundant life. Lord, build our faith this morning. And I pray that even this morning, you would give resurrection life to some that have not experienced it yet, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would please open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. And thank you that because you love us, we believe you will speak to us. Amen. Let's look at verse 1 through 3. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Now this, that event has not happened yet in the book of John. It's going to happen, but it must have been so well known that John's readers knew about it. Mary anointing the Lord's feet. So, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Lazarus of Bethany. This, this man is very, very sick. It looks like he might die. His sisters are, are concerned about him. Now, Bethany is in Judea, which is about two miles from Jerusalem. And the religious leaders in Jerusalem were attempting to kill Jesus at this time because He violated their man-made laws and because He confronted them. And so Jesus had left Judea and it would be very dangerous for Him to return. But Lazarus is so sick that his sisters send for Jesus. And they know, they know Jesus might not want to come back because of how dangerous it would be. So they don't even ask Him directly, but they appeal to His love for their brother. They say, Lord, He whom You love is ill. Knowing Jesus would probably want to come back to heal Lazarus. But Jesus doesn't come. And so in verse 4, we see, but when Jesus heard it, He said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This illness does not lead to death. How does Jesus know that? He wasn't there. He couldn't see how sick Lazarus was. How does Jesus know? Because He's God. Jesus is God. He knows all things, past, present, and future. He knows what He will do in the future. From Martha and Mary's perspective, it looks desperate. From Jesus' perspective, it doesn't look desperate. Jesus has a different perspective than we do on things. He has a divine perspective. And so He says, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So, someday, something will lead to Lazarus' death, but this illness won't lead to Lazarus' final death on earth. This illness will lead to an opportunity for Jesus to glorify God and display His glory as one who can raise the dead. So, we need to remember, God has a different perspective than we do on different situations we face. We might only be able to see how evil a situation is. How gut-wrenchingly sad and burdensome a situation is. And God doesn't deny that. We live in a fallen world that is 
as a result of sin is filled with heartbreak and disease and death. And it's, it's sad. And Jesus doesn't deny it. He didn't deny Lazarus' terrible sickness. He didn't say, oh, Lazarus isn't that bad. It's just that Jesus as God has, He had a much more complete perspective than anyone else. He can see things that, that we can't see. He could see the future. He could see what He was going to do in the future. He was going to take something evil, Lazarus's sickness and death, and turn it into something that would glorify God. And so, from Martha and Mary's perspective, and, and Lazarus's perspective, it looked terrible. And in a way, it was. We're not minimizing how terrible it is to be sick, to be dying. But from God's perspective, He was going to take something evil and turn it to God's glory. That's why in Romans 8.28 it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, that doesn't mean that all things that happen to us are good. Evil things happen to us. People get sick. Uh, when someone is sick, I don't say, oh, well, that's good for you. It's good that you're sick. No, that's evil that someone is sick. It's bad that someone suffers. But God causes. We know. We know if we read the Bible. We know if we read God's perspective that that the evil that we're seeing on the surface is not the end of the story. We know that God will work it for good. That's what gets us through our trials. It is knowing that God is sovereign over all things. It is knowing that God knows what He's doing and that God can triumph over evil. And sickness and sadness and death and pain and hopelessness and, and financial crises and losing a home, and no matter what may befall us, we can say this is very evil that this has happened. This person who has sinned against me, that's evil what he or she did. But I know God's perspective is that He takes evil things and turns them for my good. And so I can even thank Him in the midst of evil. Not thank Him for the evil thing, but thank Him. Thank You, Jesus, that You will turn this and work this and cause this to work out for my good. And so that's why the Bible says, in everything rejoice. It doesn't mean rejoice that bad things happen, but rejoice that God can turn them to good. And some of you are going through serious affliction right now. You're battling sickness, financial problems, or loneliness, and maybe you wonder why. And if Jesus has not yet answered your prayers, it's because ultimately, ultimately, he will work that for good and bring glory to Himself through that somehow. Remember, God has a perspective on our suffering that we can't always see. Now verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when He heard that Lazarus was ill, He stayed two days longer in the place where He was. Now, verse 5 says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. They're mentioned individually. Jesus loved each one of them 
individually. But it says, so when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer where he was. Why? It says, because he loved them, he stayed, he delayed. Everything in our lives, everything that Jesus does is because he loves us. If he answers our prayers right away, it's because he loves us. I mean, that's easy to see, isn't it? I mean, all of us have had experiences like that where we pray for something and, and Jesus answers that prayer right away. And we say, oh, thank you, Jesus. You love me so much. But if he delays, it's harder to see that he loves us. But this says, because he loved them. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. He loves us so much that He wants to work something that is ultimately greater, ultimately more for our good, ultimately more for His glory, that He will do what He knows is best from His perspective, even though we can't always see it. Now, one of the things that Jesus does, and one of the things He does in this story, and the reason why He delays is He wants to increase His disciples' faith. And He knows that what He's going to do is going to increase their faith in a way that if He went right away and healed Lazarus, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have such an effect on them. So, in verse 7, then after this, He said to, this, to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to Him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? In other words, Jesus, if this sickness isn't going to lead to death, then why, why bother? He's going to be okay. Why would you want to go back into danger? And in verse 9, Jesus says, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Jesus says, you know what? God gives us 12 hours during the day to work in. My final hour hasn't come. My night hasn't come. So as long as it's day, I'll use these hours to fulfill God's mission. So He's not afraid. He's not afraid to go back into a dangerous situation. He says, as long as, as long as I'm walking, as long as I'm breathing, as long as it's light out, as long as it's day, as long as I can, until my hour comes, I'm going to serve God with all my heart. And that's the way we should be. Let us use the hours and days of our lives to serve Jesus. As long as He gives us strength and life, Let's seek to follow Him and serve Him. It's interesting that Joe had a word for the older generation. Because when, when we get older, we can start to be tempted to think, you know what, maybe I'm getting washed up. Maybe my time of use, usefulness is over. You know, I've had those thoughts come into my mind. You know what, maybe I'm just kind of losing it here. Maybe my time for serving is, is kind of my effective time is is fading out maybe. You know what? There are 12 hours in a day. There's no retiring in the kingdom of God. Now that doesn't mean that our job doesn't change. 
I'm not always going to be the senior pastor. But no matter what, we can do something. We can do something as long as we can think. As long as we could even lay in a bed and pray in our minds, we can do something. We can always do something for the Lord as long as we are able to breathe and move. My dad, who is 93 now, when he was 80 years old, he didn't say, well, I guess I'm washed up. I guess there's nothing I can do for God. No, my dad led Bible studies in personal care homes. He paid bills for a blind lady. He read to a blind man. He took two mentally ill guys to get food every week. He drove blood to Johnstown for the Red Cross. He worked for Meals on Wheels. And on top of that, for the last 18 years, my dad has hand-painted around 5,000 birthday cards to send people and bless them. Where is my dad? Dad, I, I honor you. I want to be like you. Because you have served the Lord every day of your life and you didn't stop no matter what. Dad is one of our heroes. And so Jesus says, i got 12 hours in the day. As long as I can, I'm going to serve God. And so in verse 11, he says, After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus, has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples misunderstand. I, I can't wait to see this on heaven's videos. These stories are going to be so great to watch the faces of the disciples. <laughs> oh, wait a second. He's fallen asleep. Well, then what's the problem? <laughs> Verse 12, the disciples say, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death but they thought He meant taking rest in sleep. See, Jesus, Jesus transforms even the way we think about death. It's really the Christians primarily, and there have been other people, but it's primarily Christian language that talks about death as just falling asleep. And the disciples think, well, if Lazarus is sick, and now he's fallen asleep. He's probably getting some good rest. That's good. That means he'll recover. So there's really no need for us to go back into that dangerous situation, is there, Lord? Then Jesus told them plainly, I love this, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. No, no wait a minute, wait a minute. You say Lazarus has dead has died, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there? This is shocking. Lazarus died, and you're glad you weren't there? If you were been there, you could have healed him. Why are you glad Lazarus has died, and you weren't there to heal him? Jesus said, I'm glad I wasn't there, listen to this, for your sake, so that you may believe. See, one of Jesus' purposes is to increase his disciples' faith. They already believed in Him. They were already following Him. They had left everything to follow Him. They believed in Him. But their faith was weak. Their faith was not as strong as Jesus wanted it to be. And so He said, for your sake, for the sake of your faith, that you may grow stronger in your faith and believe even more, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because when you see what I'm going to do, your faith will be stronger than if I had gone and healed him. If, if we had gone immediately and I had healed him, oh, that would have been great. You would have seen my power. But this, 
when you see me raise a man who has been dead for four days, your faith will be stronger than it ever would have been. See, our faith can grow. Our faith can be strengthened. When we first become believers, when Jesus first gets a hold of our lives, our faith is not very strong. And over the years, Jesus will work in our lives and do things in our lives to build our faith. Sometimes He will delay in answering prayers. Sometimes He won't answer our prayers the way we think because He wants our faith to get stronger as we have to keep trusting Him longer. I've got to trust Him through this trial. I've got to trust Him while I'm waiting for a prayer to be answered. I've got to trust Him longer than I want to trust Him. And, and then when you finally see the answer, your faith is stronger than if He had answered right away in the beginning. See, Jesus knows what He's doing in our lives. We, we don't always think He does. But He says, for your sake, I waited so that you may believe, so that your faith might grow. Jesus is committed and determined to building your faith. He is strengthening you. If you have turned to Jesus if you have called upon Him, if you have put your faith in Jesus, if you have given Him your all, then He is doing a mighty work in your life. He is building your faith. He is strengthening you to believe in Him more and more. He might take you through harder and harder things, but your faith will get stronger and stronger and stronger. Jesus is more determined to strengthen us than we are ourselves. We, we may be like the disciples and we may say, oh Lord, give me more faith. He says, I am. I'm strengthening your faith. So in verse 16, Thomas, so Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And I, I kind of picture Thomas, it, it sounded like Eeyore at that point, you know. All right, let's go. We might die with him. <laughs> but actually, actually, you know, Thomas, we, we always think of Thomas as kind of the, you know, doubting Thomas. We think of Thomas as kind of the loser disciple. He doubted and, you know. But really, this is a, this is a strong statement of faith. He's saying, Jesus, in essence, he's saying, we're going to go into this really dangerous area and... I, it's better to die with Jesus than to live without Him. It's really a, it's really a good statement. It's really saying, Jesus, you know, I, I'm willing to die. It may, he may not have said it with the, the enthusiasm <laughs> that Peter would have before he denied Jesus. But uh, it, it shows he had a good heart. So then, then now we're going to see Martha's faith. Now Martha usually gets a bad rap because of the time she got all lathered up about her sister not helping her with the household hospitality chores. You know, she, she got all worked up because Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet while Martha had to get everything ready in the kitchen. But we're going to see here that she was a woman of great faith. And so in verse 17 it says, Now when Jesus came, He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of, the, many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met Him, but Mary remained seated in the house. 
Martha hears Jesus' coming and being the woman of action that she is. She jumps up and runs out to meet Jesus and she expresses her faith in Jesus. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now, some people that I studied think Martha might have been rebuking Jesus. You know, if you, if you would have come when we asked, he wouldn't have died. I, I don't think he was, and, and a number of commentators didn't believe that was the case. This was a statement of faith. She's saying, Lord, I, I know you could have healed him, but even now I know you can do whatever you want. Now, I, I don't think she's thinking he's going to be raised from the dead, but she's, she's making a statement of faith in Jesus. And so, in verse 23, Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. The Jews believed in a, most of the Jews believed in a final resurrection. And Martha assumes that this is what Jesus is talking about. And now Jesus makes another one of his great I am statements. And these I am statements in the book of John are a reflection of when God spoke to Moses in the burning bush and Moses said, who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell them I am who I am sent me. It's not a coincidence Jesus is using these phrases. And this is one of these great I am statements. And Jesus said to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus doesn't say He will give resurrection and life. He says He is the resurrection and life. He doesn't say I can show you the way to find the resurrection and life. He says I'm it. I'm the life. I'm the resurrection. And I'm the life that comes as a result of the resurrection. Jesus Himself, is He's saying, I will rise from the dead and I will give resurrection life to all who wholeheartedly believe in Me. This is Jesus' mission. Jesus wants to give you resurrection life. He wants to give you a life that is not just physical life, not just the life of this world. Jesus wants to give each and every one of us supernatural resurrection power resurrection life, power to overcome sin, power to live victoriously for Jesus, power to change, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of, of, of eternity, the life of eternity. And we begin to live that life now, abundant, overflowing, rich, meaningful, satisfying life now. We begin to live this life now when we turn to Jesus with all our hearts. And trust in Him. And call upon Him. Jesus says, Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. This means if you believe in Jesus, though you die in this life, you will live eternally. 
You won't be dead. You will be alive in heaven with Christ. And someday you will receive a new body that will not be subject to sickness or decay or sadness or anything like that. And he says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Whoever, that means whoever lives in this life and believes in Jesus shall never die. You will die to this life, but you'll never die spiritually. You will live forever. The famous uh, evangelist D.L. Moody once said, I love this, Someday, you'll read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. (laughs) At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I love that. Someday, you'll read in the papers, the Indiana Gazette, that Mark Altrogi is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? As I was working on this, I was just thinking of those from our church who have died over the years. And I thought, they're not dead. They are more alive than ever. They are more alive than ever. And I'm going to see them again. And Jesus says to her, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that You are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. See, for for all the bad rap Mary gets from the other situation, she is a woman of faith. She, She receives Jesus by faith. We must receive Jesus by faith. Faith is essential. Jesus says, do you believe this? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe what you have heard about Jesus? Do you believe He is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe He can give you abundant life? Do you believe Jesus Christ can wash away your sins? You cannot receive it apart from faith. And surrender to Jesus and trust in Him. So Jesus asks Martha, and what a faith-filled statement she makes. Yes, Lord, I believe that You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the unique, beloved Son of God who is coming into the world. The One God sent. The One who fulfills all God's promises. Let Martha no more receive a bad rap. She is a mighty woman of faith. And Martha's faith is an example to us. And I thought, you know what? There are so many women in Scripture who are examples of faith. And I thought, there are so many women in our church who are great examples of faith. I commend you, ladies. I commend you. We have so many women in this church who are such great examples of faith. You're great examples to all of us. You're great examples to your family. You're great examples to to everyone around you. You're great examples to your children. I think about some of the grandmothers in our church. What women of faith we have in this church. And I'm grateful for you. (sighs) Well, Jesus goes on and now He meets with Mary. 
Verse 28, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So Martha goes to Mary, tells her in private, the teacher's here, he's calling for you. So she gets up, goes to Jesus, falls at his feet, collapses at his feet, weeping, and says the same thing her sister had said. So they probably had said this to each other. They probably said, oh, if only Jesus would have been here. A brother wouldn't have died. She, she's just weeping at his feet. And, and Jesus is deeply moved. Verse 33 says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. So, these verses, they show us the deep compassion Jesus has for those who are suffering. Even though he knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Do you believe that Jesus is affected by your suffering? Do you believe that Jesus has compassion on you? Because He does. He, it, Hebrews tells us He is a sympathetic high priest because He has been through everything we go through. I, I believe Jesus is deeply moved by what you're going through. What we go through at times. The words that describe Jesus' emotion here are describing deep, gut-wrenching emotion. He's deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, and then he just breaks down weeping. Do you believe Jesus feels this way for you when you are suffering? He does. He does. He loves you. Jesus didn't say, Hey, Mary, quit your crying. I'm going to raise him in a few minutes. Jesus doesn't say, hey, buck up. I'm in control. I'm going to answer your prayer. Quit your crying. <laughs> I'm God. No, Jesus cares about us in our suffering. He's affected by it. Now, there's, there's also a shade of meaning in these words that describe Jesus' emotion as, as, a, as anger. And, and some commentators that I studied said that Jesus looks around at the effects of sin in the world and the suffering it causes, and He sees the suffering that these people are going through because of, of what sin has done in this world, and that Jesus is angry at, at sin. He is angry at suffering. Suffering is not good. God hates suffering and all the damage and pain that it causes. He takes suffering and He causes it to work for good. But you need to know, Jesus 
hates your suffering. You know, I think that at times when, we, when we're trying to process this and we say, you know, all things work together for good, we can think that somehow suffering is good. No, it's evil. Jesus never intended when He created the, the earth, He never intended it to be a place where there would be pain and sadness and broken hearts and failed marriages and, and people dying and stuff like that. that. That grieves God. And it angers him when he sees the effects of sin. He hates it. And he hates what it's doing to you. Jesus has strong feelings about us. I hope you see that in here. Then Jesus, verse 38, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. He's just moved. It was a cave. And a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, who just really had no concept of what Jesus was going to do, even though she had faith in Him, she says, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for He's been dead four days. He's he's decomposing. Now this is irrefutable evidence that Lazarus is dead. It's not like, you know, he died a couple hours ago and maybe his body was still warm. Maybe he hadn't really died. Maybe we just thought he died. You know, maybe it was back in those days, you know, people didn't understand death. And so, you know, this is irrefutable evidence. He's been dead for four days. He's buried, stone in front of the cave. There will be a stench. Back in those days, they believed that the spirit of someone who died would kind of hang around for three days, seeing if it could get back in. But after three days, it was too late. It was gone. And so she says, it's been, he's been dead for four days. Irrefutable evidence in the power of God that we're going to see in a minute. And verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Martha had believed. And she is going to see the glory of God shining through Jesus. There would be others there at this very scene who will witness what Jesus does, who don't believe in Jesus, who run to Jerusalem to tattle to the Pharisees to try to get Jesus in trouble and Lazarus in trouble. They wouldn't see the glory of God. They could see a miracle. They could be witnessing a miracle in front of their very eyes but they wouldn't see the glory of God in it. Jesus said, you believe, Martha, and you're going to see the glory of God. Faith sees the glory of God. Faith sees God at work in our suffering. Faith sees God is moving. Some of you, as as I mentioned, some of you who are suffering are such an inspiration to me because you see the glory of God through the eyes of faith in the midst of what you're going through. And even though most people would complain and say, how can a good God allow me to go through this? You say, I am really suffering, but God is doing great things in my life. I say, you're seeing the glory of God. What an inspiration to me you are. Faith sees the glory of God. And Jesus Jesus is still concerned to strengthen the faith of others. Not only did He want to strengthen His disciples' faith, He wanted to strengthen the faith of everyone there. And so, He prays out loud. 
Verse 41, so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus had no doubt that his father had heard his prayers earlier to raise Lazarus. But he said, Father, I prayed out loud. I said, thank you that you've heard me for the benefit of everyone to know that I have a relationship with You, Father, that this is Your power, that You will be glorified, that their faith would be strengthened. And then Jesus speaks to Lazarus. Verse 43, When He had said these things, He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the Word of Jesus imparted life into Lazarus's dead body. And Lazarus raises up and gets up and comes hobbling out in his grave clothes. Jesus says one word. All Jesus has to say is one word and you'll be healed. All Jesus has to say is one word and your circumstances will change. All Jesus has to say is one word and the whole universe is created. God says, let there be light. Poof, there's light. Jesus' Word is powerful. Oh, read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. This is Jesus' Word. Jesus can speak a word to you through His, His written Word that can change your life. He has spoken words to me that have changed my life at times. Jesus, nothing is too hard for Him. The arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Your, your relative may look like he or she is dead in sin and there's no hope for them. Have you, have you ever had this thought? I know Jesus can save anyone, but that person is too far gone. No! Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. All it takes is one word from Jesus and your father can come to life. Your daughter can come to life. Your child can come to life. Your cousin can come to life. Don't stop praying for people. Don't stop praying for your situation. It's just one little word from Jesus. Nothing's too hard for Him. Even this morning, some of you may be coming to life by hearing the Word of Jesus. Some of you are believing in Jesus in a way you've never believed in Him before. And His life is coming into you. He's saying to you, come to life. Come out. Come out of that situation you're in. Come out of that sin you're committing. The Word of Jesus is going to free you. And so verse 44, the man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips. His face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Come to Jesus. Believe in him. If you are going through something right now, remember, God has a different perspective on things than you do. Jesus may be bringing something out of your situation much more glorious than you can even imagine. Jesus is determined to strengthen and build your faith 
All it takes is one word and Jesus can change your circumstance. But you've got to believe in faith. You must look at things through the eye of faith. You must believe what this word says about reality, not what your circumstances say about reality. And if you do, you'll see the glory of God. You'll see the glory of God. And I just want to encourage all of us, whether you're a believer or not, come to Jesus for life. Come to Jesus for resurrection life. He is risen from the dead. He has ascended into heaven. He is seated on His throne. He is dispensing life and gifts and love and power. If you're struggling with a sin and you can't overcome it, come to Jesus. He will help you overcome it. He is the resurrection and the life. He's more powerful than anything you struggle with. And come to Him today. And we have some, we have some folks who can pray for you today. And I know that any of us would be happy to pray for you. We'll pray that Jesus will give you his resurrection life. So let's stand. And let's pray. Let's have the band come up. Jesus, thank You that You have been raised from the dead. That You can raise from the dead. You are the resurrection and the life. Oh Lord, would you, Jesus, would you just pour out your life afresh into us right now? Pour out your Spirit upon us afresh right now. Fill us with fresh life. Strengthen our faith. Lord, for those in our church, everyone who is suffering, everyone who is battling a trial right now, Lord, would you strengthen them? Would you help them? Would you build their faith to know? that in the end, ultimately, You will bring this evil situation to good for them and for Your glory. Lord Jesus, give us faith. Increase our faith. Because we want to see Your glory. Lord, increase our faith. We ask, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.